0: Welcome to the show, Unraveling Midlife. I'm Sarah Spence. Thanks for joining me. I'm exploring my own midlife by speaking with inspiring people about theirs. The show overall is inspired by the midlife crisis, Western astrology transit. It's definitely not all about astrology because of the people I talk to. Just wait for the show today. At the end of each episode, I include a music track by me that links into the discussion in some way. The astrological transits I've mentioned are phases everyone goes through in life, specifically starting in the mid to late 30s through the early to mid 40s. It can be that opportunity to confront our biggest fears, find our way through the foggy times, and bounce us from one extreme to the other. All that stuff that many of our parents were going through when we were kids, and we had no idea because we thought they were grown up and had it all figured out. Today's guest brought me some real gems. Her name is Allie Wilde. She is a somatic sexologist, relationship and intimacy guide with over 20 years experience working, consciously living and exploring the feminine mysteries, heart and womb wisdom, yin sexuality, relationship, intimacy, and the power of human connection. is known internationally for her unique approach, which is both vulnerable and deeply powerful, bringing down-to-earth science together with emotional intelligence and embodied wisdom to create spaces for people to open and shine. I've experienced one of her workshops, and it was really something else. She works with both women and men in individual or group situations to explore their sexuality. One of the results of this work is gaining energy rather than depleting. It's a really interesting conversation. And whoever you are, whatever stage in life you're in, potentially, you know, only if you're over 16, in New Zealand at least, um, you will gain some kind of wisdom out of this talk. I certainly did. Enjoy. So, Ellie, welcome to Unraveling Midlife. Thanks so much for joining me. Thank you for having me here, Sarah. It's (laughs) great to be here. Today's quite exciting. We are not doing a Zoom recording. We actually got a real microphone in between us. So (laughs) I'm going to try and speak quietly and Ellie's going to try and speak more loudly <laughs> and
1: project my voice yeah I am quite softly spoken so
0: so tell tell us about what you do
1: um so I've got many hats that I wear and um, one of the hats that I wear is um, I'm a sexuality coach and I help women and their partners connect more to something that I call yin sexuality so it's a kind Sexuality that's more attuned to a woman's body and her pleasure and arousal system. Um, I'm also an artist and yeah, I'm a mum too, so there's lots of different hats. And so how's midlife been for you? Um, Well, I don't know, when does midlife actually start? Because I remember some years back and I was only 40 and I actually got in the newspapers in Taranaki for going topless on a beach down there. And rather than being shocked at being, I was, there was no photographs. It was just an article, but rather than being shocked about being in this newspaper, the thing that shocked me the most was I was described as a middle aged woman. And for the first time in my life, I realized, Oh my God, I'm, I'm in midlife. And that kind of hit me around 40, I guess. But I think I've kind of been in denial for most of my 40s. Um, now that I'm 50, um, I think I'm embracing midlife a little bit more. But it's difficult because I think a lot of what society measures us, you know, in terms of our success and what we think we should have achieved by the time we're 50, I haven't really run to that model, so in some ways i feel like midlife has been a bit of a challenge for me um yeah just kind of reconciling some of those differences to sort of mainstream what mainstream people probably would have had achieved or goals they would have set for themselves by the time they were my age
0: in some ways these days we have more of the freedom to live differently and not live by the society's expectations of growing up, getting married, having a house, having 2.4 children, Mm. and and all of that. Mm -hmm. And you're one of many people I know that have chosen the path less traveled. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I know uh, Western astrology talks about um, the midlife transits for that midlife crisis Mm. as being um, from when Pluto comes to 90 degrees to where you're born to Neptune doing the same thing. And then Uranus coming to 180 degrees and then Saturn doing the same thing. So there's those four and then followed on like, so that's mid thirties to mid forties. And then around that time of 50, there's the Chiron return where Chiron that, that asteroid discovered in 1977 um, comes back to where it was when you were born. And, Yours was last year. Mm -hmm. Beautiful, beautiful year 2020 to have (laughs) a really impactful astrological transit.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. 2020. I mean, I sort of cast my mind back to the lockdown that we had in April where everything kind of stopped. And to be honest, I was relieved because I felt like my business was failing at the time. I wasn't um making enough money. My international travel had stopped, and so I kind of was facing this kind of fear of failure kind of thing and actually really needing a bloody good rest and Then all of a sudden, I was given permission to rest and you know our great government gave us six hundred dollars a week, which was enough for me to just have a rest and stop and it was more about the guilt of not doing anything and suddenly being given permission to not do anything um that I was actually really grateful for and um so it started that's what started off this reflective time you know looking into what am I doing with my life am I really passionate about the work I'm doing am I have I gone off track or How can I refine things? Um, And out of that period of time, that's when yin sexuality came out and I decided not to do the international travel so much and to slow down. And, yeah, it gave me an opportunity to digest my life. Some of it wasn't so easy to digest. But, um, yeah, there was plenty
0: of gold in there but plenty of challenges as well. So it sounds like with international travel, um, and I know that I attended a very small workshop that you did locally, so I know that you've been out facilitating, I, I guess, more in that yang space mm-hmm. for quite some time mm-hmm. since since being discovered and described on the beach topless as a middle-aged woman <laughs> or, or before that. How since, did you come yeah, to yeah. here? Yeah. Um,
1: my international facilitation work has been the last five years, so since about 2015, and I've balanced that with being a mother to my son who's nearly 19 now. And so and I became, you know, as exciting as it is, I became very disconnected from where I lived and the people around me. I also think I wasn't a very good mum at times. So I prioritised my career. Um and yeah, so facing some of that when I, we you know, when it all stopped and I had a good look into my heart and what felt like it was truly important to me, I did have a few regrets and um, and it's it's difficult to be a career woman and balance everything perfectly. So, and I do have a tendency to beat myself up a little bit sometimes.
0: Like many of us. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, but it was a good opportunity to stop and feel into what actually feels like it feels like a more authentic life for me and a more authentic life actually feels like something a bit more down to earth with less glamour and um, yeah more more at home Um, thinking about getting a dog and yeah I I think you know international travel is exciting and
0: well, maybe not so much at the moment. Not it's at the, the moment. Too exciting <laughs> the, in a different way that we perhaps aren't really that keen
1: yeah. on. Yeah, and I've and I've also been taking a good hard look at the environmental implications of leading that kind of lifestyle, and I'm not willing to keep having that size footprint anymore. I feel like the the benefits don't outweigh the detriment of what I'm doing so it just felt like it didn't fit
0: so much for me anymore. So yin sexuality is where you've come to through that lockdown time through Mm -hmm. that Chiron return and Chiron being the wounded healer it sounds like there was some form of healing and coming into this new path. Mm Mm-hmm. And and how do you – I mean, your description of yin sexuality was that it's got its roots in Mm -hmm. neo-tantra. We have talked about tantra on the podcast, but that was Mm -hmm. classical tantra, Mm -hmm. not Mm -hmm. neo-tantra. So with the roots in neo-tantra, but also um, the scientific Mm -hmm. background, can you speak more about that?
1: Mm. Yeah, so um, what I noticed in my own journey was I – my sexuality seems to have almost like sort of this adrenalized more yang sexuality which is all about kind of fast-paced enjoyment and excitement and um uh, stimulation like I kind of got a bit burnt out with that kind of sexuality in myself um and what I realized that my body was looking for was the space to go inward more and to experience pleasure through relaxation and from a place of no stimulation, just being with the sensations that arise naturally. So it's a very, um, I would say, passive yin inward exploration of sexual energy and how it moves in your body when it's simply allowed to be and then you respond using you know what feels natural in terms of your breath in terms of how your body wants to move or any sounds that want to come rather than being stimulated to create sensation and pleasure so does that make sense sometimes it's really difficult sometimes to explain something that feels so innate to me and that I've been in that arena for so long now that when I try and explain it to how how does it sound to people who are in the outside world you know do I do I sound like I'm talking
0: well that's that is a, a good question I mean I've done some reading in fact what comes to mind is a book I got at a secondhand bookstore probably about 15 years ago and it was called The Complete Idiot's Guide to Tantric Sex. (laughs) And I rolled my eyes a bit at the point in, I think it was chapter nine, Mm -hmm. and it... I don't know if you remember the complete idiots guide to books mm-hmm, and they had all yeah. these little cartoon drawings and there was dress up as a god or goddess and and worship your partner and I just went oh my gosh this is just a bit too much for me and I mean <laughs> yeah. I'd lived in an ashram and and been around mm-hmm. deities and mm-hmm. talked about the representation and interpretation and, and symbolism of gods and goddesses but that cartoon was just a bit much for me, and I, and I, and I closed the book. But before yeah. that, I mean, the, the the basics were about being present, mm-hmm. about looking into your partner's eyes mm-hmm. and, and breath. I mean, mm-hmm. that's where you start. Mm-hmm. Like if you're saying maybe to a complete beginner, those are the absolute basics. Is there anything else?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think tantra and tantric sexuality is cloaked in a lot of mystery, but really all it boils down to is getting really present um, slowing down so that you can actually feel more uh, a bit like you know when you drive in a car really fast you don't notice everything that's happening on the landscape outside the car whereas when you slow down you can take everything in and it's the same with sensation and pleasure when we slow down we actually start to feel more of the more subtler sensations so it's yeah being present slowing down um, focusing on relaxation instead of tightening into into pleasure and that actually creates expansion in the body when we relax because you let go of tension and then whatever's happening in you can move whereas when we kind of get tight um, then it kind of traps everything I mean, the, the root of the word Tantra is um, to expand and liberate. That's what it means. So I guess the roots of kind of Neo-Tantra is all about that. All about, yeah, rather than tightening into sensation, we're relaxing and ex- allowing the expansion.
0: So that takes a great deal of vulnerability to really be present with a partner because when I bought Mm -hmm. that book, I was probably in my mid-20s and I didn't have enough relationship experience Mm -hmm. or ability to really be present. Mm -hmm. And I remember dating a guy who really wanted to gaze into my eyes and it scared the living (laughs) Jesus out of me.
1: Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, it's... it's a symptom of our modern age, I think, is sometimes the way we don't realize how intimate sex is because sex is everywhere. It's become kind of a thing that we can just do without having to be really intimate. And um, I mean, for instance, according to Chinese medicine, the yoni this is the Sanskrit word for pussy, is basically the second heart. So when you think about being penetrated into your heart, it's not something you kind of take lightly. It's something that you would only participate in if you felt like the conditions were right and something you probably wouldn't want to hurry. And that's kind of my recommendation on sex, is to treat sex as if your heart's being penetrated and then you're going to have a much more fulfilling experience. Eventually it might take longer to get there and there might be barriers in the way and it might take some discernment. But there's a whole nother way to have sex, which is what I talk about with the sexuality, which isn't about kind of orgasms or climaxes or reaching a goal. It's more about opening and surrendering to your heart really. That's so powerful. Mm. And I think it's I think it's sad that as women we've this is a mass generalization but we've almost been conditioned to have sex like a man because you know we've focused on stimulation on climaxing on performance on being sexy on everything from our external kind of and avoided maybe the true intimacy of allowing you know, the depth and intimacy and inward experience of sex as well.
0: I was actually thinking along similar mm-hmm. lines uh, before you said that. I mean, it would be true for some men as well.
1: Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. I, I mean, um, one of the other things that I talk about quite a bit lately, which has got me fascinated because of my own journey, is polyvagal theory and sexuality and um polyvagal theory in sort of idiots language basically is talking about the fact that we have three parts to our nervous system not just two so it's not just fight flight freeze and then relax uh, or kind of be nor- normal we've also got a branch which is called the social engagement system and that is A part of our nervous system that's constantly tracking all the time for danger and threat, and it's at play in our social interactions and the way we engage socially. And if we're not feeling particularly safe, then that will kind of... It's like an alert system that will send a message into our nervous system whether we need to fire it up and run away or fight or whether we need to depress everything so that we... Go into the really down-regulated space and basically kind of go numb and don't feel anything, and it's a survival mechanism to keep us from feeling what feels like it's too much in the moment. There's a fair bit of that that's
0: going on in society, really. Mm-hmm. So, mm. really
1: going to sleep, kind of, yeah. That's oh, sort watching
0: of... TV, mm-hmm. drinking, drugs, eating, mm-hmm. sex addictions,
1: yeah. Yeah. And it's, I find it really interesting to, to look at it in how, in terms of how it might play out in our behavior. So yeah, you're naming some of those things there that are really common. Um, but in sex, it's also really interesting because it can be like when you're fawning or kind of doing what you think the other person wants. So kind of people pleasing a little bit and not really connected to what feels like it would be pleasurable for you. That's a sign that you're in the unsafe side of the nervous system and you're not truly relaxed. Um, when you're in that part of the nervous system, true connection and intimacy can't really happen. There's also when you go into sort of performing rather than being authentic with what's real, that's another sign of being in the unsafe side of the nervous system. Um, also, you know, in our other interactions gossiping is a sign of feeling unsafe in some way so if you're gossiping about somebody or talking in a um, negative way about somebody else is usually a sign that you're in the unsafe side of the nervous system for some reason mm-hmm. and to have a look at actually what's going on underneath the surface rather than projecting it out onto the outside judging, criticizing, gossiping about others, you know, what's what's going on inside of you.
0: It all really always comes back to self-awareness and being Mm -hmm. able to catch the sneaky mind that can (laughs) – I know for me, can take me off into one world or another and then I'm like, mm-hmm. hang on, what am I doing? Or maybe I'm in an intimate situation and I go, oh, this isn't so great and having the courage to say something. Mm-hmm. Because I think from a teenager and reading well, this Dolly magazine mm-hmm. and Girlfriend magazine was what it was in the 90s and then um, Cosmo and Cleo and, and those were the main Australian, New Zealand um, ones how to pleasure your man you know mm-hmm. how to you know have have an orgasm because you know if you haven't before all those mm-hmm. articles mm-hmm. that have have somewhat empowered women mm-hmm. but also there's this kind of underbelly this underlying subconscious how you can use your sexuality to manipulate a man and
1: keep him at your whim yeah <laughs> and yeah <laughs>
0: yeah how how to perform yeah so yeah. that balance between performance and authenticity as mm-hmm. you mentioned before it's been very subtly ingrained in so many ways i mean gosh britney spears has been mm-hmm. in the news recently mm-hmm. and and her first hits and what we're, what we're all about being sexualized and, mm-hmm. and oh mm-hmm. dear
1: yeah yeah, I think we're slowly making our way back to something that feels like it's a bit more wholesome for female sexuality, but I think we've got quite a long way to go. There might be some disappointment along the way when, when the sort of shiny veneer is rubbed off and it reveals what's the, the true expression of female sexuality, which isn't always pretty. Sometimes it's a snotty mess, you know, of tears and, But in my experience, that's way more beautiful and energy field than a fake orgasm or sort of trying to please someone or just being disconnected from yourself and going through the motions.
0: Would you say in your observation, and I'm checking my own theory, that Mm. that as people, because you've worked with many clients, Mm. as people age, um, and this might be both women, men, or other, um, they become more comfortable with their sexuality? Or is that not always true? It's
1: not always true. It depends what kind of history they've got. Um, but I think at some point with all areas of our life, when we get to being older, it's like you can't tolerate something for too long that doesn't feel authentic. We might be able to tolerate it for a certain amount of time but there comes a point in your life where it's kind of enough and then the hard look inward of like, okay, let's be honest with myself, what's really going on? And I think that's why this midlife crisis kind of can occur because we're having a good hard look at what's working and what's not working maybe. And um, yeah, for me, my midlife, you know, this Chiron thing also has coincided with menopause and menopause is a wake-up call as well. (laughs) Can you speak (laughs) a bit more about
0: that? Because I, you know, like to get Mm -hmm. prepped. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Well, I think we should. I really do, you know, I feel like I want to tell every young woman to prepare for your menopause to make sure you have um, a nest egg for it so that you can relax and enjoy it's medicine and wisdom because a big part of menopause I think is for a lot of western women is really exacerbated by adrenal fatigue thyroid malfunction so if your health isn't 100% if you've been pushing 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 for too many years then by the time you get to menopause it really starts to play havoc with you yeah with the homo- hormones decreasing and You know, you haven't got your estrogen anymore to keep you going. Progesterone's waning, so it kind of, that sort of feel, gives you that feel-good feeling. That's not there anymore. So basically anything that's kind of out in your life or any way you've been pretending or pushing absolutely cannot happen anymore. It's, yeah, it's a real kind of like truth serum. And I've heard people say that, by the end of menopause you won't be the same woman and i i really believe that like there's there's no escaping kind of it's you know unless you unless you take hrt which means you can sort of decrease its um intensity for a period of time but it's you know it's a natural part of our life cycle as a woman to lose those hormone hormones and the medical industry kind of you can't help but frame it as something sort of that's malfunctioning, but it's normal. in a way it's normal. It's normal. But uh, the interesting thing is the body start at first starts to experience it as stress. So the body's trying to find homeostasis. Those hormones aren't being produced anymore. It's then dependent on the adrenals to try and create more estrogen. And if the adrenals are fatigued, then they don't do such a good job of that. If the liver's kind of clogged up, then you again, you get, um, more heavily, more heavy symptoms like extreme hot flashes and irritability. So it, yeah, it's a good opportunity to have a look at your health.
0: Right. There's some prep work that needs yeah. to happen. <laughs> but you know,
1: if, is there's also, it's the time for women, I believe, where we can start to really come into our wisdom years and the crone. The crone kind of means, from my lineage of teachers, means the woman that no longer bleeds. So, and the crone kind of has been given a bit of a bad rap, but you know, she's basically the wise woman.
0: And so, what does yin sexuality look or feel like? For- from a a crone and almost how do men honour that?
1: Yeah, well, I think um, what I've experienced with myself is I don't want so much friction-based foreplay anymore and I don't want so much friction sex full stop. What I want more than anything is a really present partner And somebody that can be patient with how slow my arousal is actually. So it's, but, but when, um, when it does build, then it kind of has an energy all of its own and it doesn't need to be stimulated to be there. It's kind of, I mean, it's yin. So it comes from, it feels like it comes from nowhere it's not coming from something that's active or yang it's very hard to describe the yin energy i think because we have so little experience of it in life most of our world is very yang focused i mean even if you google kind of passive or yin or it comes out with some you know what you'd think of as negative to ter- you know terms like mm. Dark, stagnant, um, negative, you know, all of these kind of things that we have that we associate with something that's wrong or broken or defunct or so we have very little patience with yin. We want to kind of gloss over it and go back to action or go back to stimulation or but when there's a space for the yin, that's when something can grow out of there that's very organic that doesn't need to be pushed or forced, it just kind of wells up. And um, yeah, if you look at it like the seasons, it's like the winter period of time. And winters can, yeah, be kind of a time of where it looks like there's nothing going on.
0: Well, last year for us <laughs> in New Zealand, really nothing was going on. No. In, in fact, um, because we have our min- winter mid-year Yeah, this winter is feeling a lot more busy. Mm -hmm. Um, mm. So if someone wanted to start a practice very simply of yin sexuality, how would Mm -hmm. they go about that? Well, sometimes it's
1: easier to think of things in terms of step-by-step processes, and I basically came up with this step-by-step process from my own experience with menopause kind of making me feel like I had no drive or no sexual energy again so I started to experiment with slowing everything down that was the first thing I did was to slow down and then breathe a lot deeper and exhale with a sigh and that kind of relaxes the body so it's slowing everything down breathing deeper and making a sound on the exhale And then focusing on relaxing into everything. So relaxation. And then the fourth step was to come back to connection either with myself or with my partner of what felt like it wanted to happen. And that is basically kind of my map of how to be more yin in my sexuality. So those four steps are kind of, they're easy to remember and slowing down, focusing on the breath with that sound on the exhale, focusing on relaxing into sensation or whatever's happening, and then connection with the self and partner. And basically what that is in polyvagal theory terms is self-regulating the nervous system and then
0: co-regulating with the other person. So what would you say to people who are single? How can they Mm -hmm. cultivate in sexuality?
1: I think it's the same
0: four steps. So slowing
1: everything when you're being with yourself, slowing everything down and then slowing it down even more. The other thing is to let go of any goals of trying to get anywhere or orgasm or anything, trying to make anything happen. So taking your attention away from the goal, slowing down and that deep breath with this kind of sigh, like a, uh, something like that, whatever wants to come out of your mouth, that stimulates the relaxed part of the nervous system to kick in. And then through that relaxation, quite a bit of pleasure can organically start to happen through the body. It's quite, in my experience and through working with others, that relaxation is key for... Um, bliss states and states of ecstasy that are about um, the yin side of our sex so it's not things that are happening through stimulation or action it's by being passive with the energy as it is and the more and more we relax the more, and more we surrender the more that side of our sexual energy can open up it's kind of like a different arousal system like a feminine
0: arousal system rather than a masculine arousal system. And does that arousal system, when men are applying it Mm. as well, does that shift their world so it's still a feminine arousal system? What do you mean, sorry? Well, because they're men, it's not so – they're not feminine per se, but because the arousal system is different for a Mm. woman – Practice practicing this also mean that the arousal system is different for the man or the experience is quite different
1: yeah i mean it takes um also the man if you're a heterosexual to let go of the goal of orgasm and so and he might if he's used to more friction-based sex he might feel frustrated at first that it's not exciting enough but if you stay with it and Um, get resensitized to the more subtler energies then it can it can be just as exciting and just as expansive just in a different way because I mean if you think of the yin and yang symbol there's always a bit of yang in the yin and always a bit of yin in the yang so it's not like the whole sexual experience has to be super passive and kind of like waiting for this wave and kind of quiet and inward there are moments when the energy will increase through both of you or with yourself and so then it's like riding those waves and you know then there may want to be more stimulation in those moments but then it's kind of listening to when it wanes again and being able to ride the cycles so yeah it's not always yin and it and it's not all just for the woman's body. There is an interplay between the yin and the yang that starts to happen. Mm. And um, and it's really, you know, maybe it's a bit misleading calling it yin sexuality, but for most of us, we haven't focused enough on the yin and we need to cultivate more awareness around that. Uh, so once we start to focus on that, the yang is always there when we need it anyway. And if you, know, if you can kind of just listen to what the body wants to do, then those moments of more yang expression naturally arise anyway. And men um, might find actually that they learn something different about their bodies and how their bodies respond. They might be able to let go of feeling like they need to be have all the answers and
0: direct everything and kind of have a permanent hard-on or, you know. So I know you're you're focusing um, with yin sexuality mostly around women as really a form of empowerment Mm -hmm. and journey into pleasure. And you've worked with men as well. Yeah, I work
1: with men too. I do actually teach yin sexuality to men as well and teach men how to relax into arousal how to let go of the goal of orgasm and how to soften and open to more pleasure through their entire body rather than just with the genitals. So kind of everything I do has this kind of yin, lean to it. I guess it's just something that I'm really passionate about and I feel is beneficial for people to know about.
0: So even my work with men is kind of yin, actually. I was thinking about, the magazines that I mentioned when I was growing up and thinking about how life is quite different for um, people in their 30s, 20s, 30s at the moment, like with the advent of the internet and pornography. Mm-hmm. And is that like an extra barrier to mm-hmm. finding that yin sexuality? Y- yes. <laughs> in a word. Yeah. Um, I feel very blessed that I kind of mm. missed that. <laughs> yeah,
1: I mean, I'm I'm a little bit out of touch with exactly what's going on in that generation. Uh, most of my clients are probably late thirties, early forties. I meet some that are in their twenties, but most of the ones that come to me that want to learn about tantric sexuality or yin sexuality are curious about what relaxing into arousal can do for them and how they can learn to liberate their sexual energy from just being a genital experience and a sneeze to something that's kind of the entire body that, that travels through up into the heart and the throat and you know even into the third eye and the mind and there's nothing kind of mystical about it, it's actually quite scientific. When you look at it from a nervous system perspective, we're just relaxing enough to be able to attune to ourselves and attune to our partner. Because true intimate, true intimacy and connection can't happen when the nervous system is dysregulated. All we'll do in that mode at best is have some kind of stimulation experience that's pleasurable that might end in an orgasm but we're never going to have that experience of a more deeply fulfilling connected orgasmic flowing kind of rejuvenating restorative experience that leaves you feeling high afterwards which is the place that I got to in my own sexuality I couldn't have the type of experience anymore that was leading me feeling depleted afterwards because there was no reserves left in my tank. I just couldn't keep doing it, and mm. so for me it was like, okay,
0: I need restorative sex. That's what I need. I guess it's like the people who were doing ashtanga yoga for mm. years, and and when I talked about yoga on the podcast, it was a similar coming inward being a, about relaxation and mm-hmm. in fact the polyvagal nerve was discussed there too mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> yeah well maybe as a species we're just realizing how over we've become from this push 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 kind of capitalist consumer mm-hmm. and um what we're needing is more regeneration more restoration and you just have to look out to the planet what the planet needs which is more restoration and regenerative kind of attitudes and we're the same you know we're we're not that dissimilar from the planet and its condition I don't think Mm. Mm.
0: yes all this wisdom that I'm gaining from talking to all these people (laughs) and I think about my own life and how I love to pack things in and be involved and interested in everything and then I get adrenal fatigue so I'm listening this time <laughs> definitely listening this time not gonna put it off um one well, actually one funny I was watching the New Zealand comedy gala and one of the comedians Michelle Court, she said it in a very funny way and I'm not going to try and recreate it but she said to the young people, you think you're having an amazing time having sex. She said, but once we get older and we get bored and we try all these different things and then possibly come, I'm not mm. sure. She didn't talk about yin sexuality, of course. She said, your parents are having a better time. <laughs> <laughs> well, you'd hope so. All these years of practice. You'd hope yeah. you'd
1: get better at it, wouldn't you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I do think it's key for older women, especially going through menopause, because the narrative around sexuality and menopause and women is it's that's a period of time when women go off sex. And if I hadn't have known what I know now, you know, and all these years of exploring sexuality, I probably would have thought the same thing. Ah, what's happened to my sexual response? It's not there anymore. It doesn't work when... I'm stimulated. In fact, I feel frustrated and kind of annoyed by it. And and if I hadn't have known, okay, let's get curious about this. There's nothing wrong. It's just my body wants to run in a different way and um, focused on kind of stillness during sex and seeing where the arousal was and what wanted to happen and then through relaxation and slowing down, feeling this orgasmicity through my body that was sublime and blissful but very different to the yang expression of sex and you know luckily I've got a partner who's um who's able to meet me there not 100% of the time sometimes he's very yang, yang and he doesn't want that but um yeah a lot of the time we've been you know he's been supportive of like helping me feel what's going on I would say it's caused no friction. There's definitely been some friction between us because it's like, how do these two opposing energies meet? And it's one thing to explore this with yourself, but it's another thing when you come together with a per- another person that has their own way, their own energies running, and their own desires and needs and feelings and goals and ways of doing
0: things. So I did meet one lady that I've known for a little while and she said that she'd had some of the best sex of her life since hitting menopause so obviously she Mm -hmm. found a secret and I actually I can think of other people as Mm -hmm. well it's though to be fair I don't always end up in conversation about with (laughs) I don't I don't always end up in conversation about sex with very many people (laughs) but you probably do (laughs) probably do (laughs) (laughs) so you've got an online presence with your website and that's yinsexuality.com yeah yeah yeah. and that's the best way for people to see that's the best way
1: for people to learn about me and some of the things I'm doing and um, there's some free videos on there and if you sign up you get a free practice so you know there's an opportunity to dip your toe in the water and have a taste of it and see if it's for you. I saw some good blog articles on there. Don't some you? blogs. Yeah. <laughs> I need to write more blogs. I've actually been really taking time away from working too much though. So um,
0: Really practicing yin.
1: Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I have to say. Taking a bit of a sabbatical since COVID and only doing what I need to do.
0: Respecting mm. yourself and honoring what mm-hmm. you need. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm. Wow. Mm. Thank you so much for your time, Ali. Thank you for having me. Great yeah. to talk mm. yin sexuality.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> so much food for thought. Yeah. 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 Thanks for having me here. To pick a music track that was related to today's show, I had to get a bit creative. I haven't written very many songs about sex, and the one that I have is one that I'm not willing to share. At least, I'm not willing to share it yet. So, instead, I picked a song that I wrote quite some time ago, it's called Love Song, uh, and if you listen to the lyrics, you'll see, well, I can see how confused I was about relationships, and it relates to the show because I mentioned the guy that used to stare into my eyes when I was far too young to understand that it could be an amazing way of connecting with the right person. So here's a very different type of love song.
2: The sea pounds surf breaks a random wave. Soaks me through teach me about life a fine mist.
0: brought to you from Aotearoa, New Zealand by www.sarahmarlowspence.com. Theme music is by Sarah Marlowe Spence and Saraspati Marie Willis and art by Samantha Hepburn.